2: I'm here to level the playing field for all investors. There's always a bull market somewhere, and I promise to help you find it. Mad Money starts now. Hey, I'm Kramer. Welcome to Mad Money. Welcome to Kramerica. Other people want to make friends, I'm just trying to make you some money. My job is not just to entertain, but to teach and educate. So call me at 1-800-743-CNBC or tweet me at Jim Kramer. If you told me three months ago, three months ago, that oil would be trading through $70 and the 10-year treasury would stick its ugly head through 3% all in one day, I would have thought the stock market would plummet maybe down four or 5% that one session. That's just a lot of bad news to take in one day. Yet today, oil soared, yeah, through 70. Interest rates went higher, yeah, 3%. And the market, what did the market do? It cheered. Dow gaining 182 points, S and P advancing 0.97 percent, and the Nasdaq climbing 1 percent. What the heck is going on? First, let me go back to my initial supposition about interest rates. I have said and told you over and over and over again that a 3 percent yield on the ten year is not something to fear. It's something we should embrace because it shows you that the economy is doing better. If interest rates never went higher, if things stayed anemic, then we'd all be in very big trouble. But the problem is that rates have been, so, been low for so long that a lot of younger portfolio managers simply don't understand that by historical standards, 3% on the 10-year Treasury is pretty darn low. I'm not saying it's a sideshow. There were too many funds that were ready to dump sell, 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 everything sell, sell, when we reached 3% the first time, and that was tough to go through. However, it was never the absolute level of rates that mattered, never. It's the level of rates versus the economy. If the economy is weak and rates go higher, then sure, that's just plain bad news. It signals there's inflation in the system at a time when we can't afford inflation. If the economy is strong, though, then it's only natural for rates to go higher, even if there's very little inflation. That's exactly what we have. Remember, the single most important economic indicator we get is the Labor Department's non-farm payroll report. And last week's employment numbers were about as perfect as you can get. We had excellent job growth, but not a lot of wage inflation. Or to put it in a way that actually makes sense, jobs are plentiful, but there's still plenty of people trying to fill in which means not many people are getting raises. That's ideal for business, even as it's obviously suboptimal if you actually work for a living. Then today, we got a producer price index that was, that was lower than expected. It confirmed that inflation is not as bad as so many people seem to think. So in this environment, the yield and the tenure going to 3% doesn't wreck the market. In fact, it provi- provides precisely the leadership this stock market is looking for, the banks, Banks are my favorite group to lead the charge higher. Why? Because you get the best pin action, as it's all about growth with no inflation. There are always plenty of candidates for leadership in the stock market. For the last few years, our main leaders were uh, usually uh, fine, which is why we coined the term hero on Mad Money, Facebook, Amazon, Netflix, and Google. Have you ever noticed that uh, everybody uses it? But you never hear about copyrighted by uh, Mad Money, do you? I may do something about that. <laughs> Anyway, these all went up today, as they typically do when the market gets jiggy. More on that later. But what really matters is that in previous markets, FANG was zero-sum. When FANG went up, everything else went down. But after Washington passed tax reform, the leadership broadened to include the industrials, the tech stocks away from FANG, especially the semiconductors, and the banks. One by one, though, we lost all of these leaders earlier this year. When the market peaked at the end of January, the bank stocks got crushed. They were finis. Then the industrials and the semis got scalded when President Trump decided to put tariffs on steel and aluminum. The smart money knew that these were aimed at China. And China is a hugely important market for the industrials and the semiconductors. There had been a huge wave of mergers going on in the semis, and the Chinese immediately retaliated by challenging Qualcomm's gigantic acquisition of NXP Semi. Without industrials, without tech, and without banks, our leaders became... The oils, after years of underperformance, the oils became the best stocks around. Not good, that's zero sum. With interest rates going higher though, it's time to flip the baton back to the banks. Sure, there's still enough money to keep the oils advancing, especially with oil going through 70. However, with the 3% barrier breached today, money flew into J.P. Morgan, Bank of America, and even lowly Wells Fargo. And this matters because historically, the banks have given us fantastic and long-lasting leadership. Now, how do we explain the rally in technology stocks and the industrials? I think that right or wrong, there's a sense of optimism about the United States and China working together to try to solve the hitherto totally intractable Korean situation. Well, that's spreading now to the industrials that have been most bruised. Industrials like Caterpillar and Boeing that Bob Lang pointed out to us as, as ready to war. And last night's off the chart saying, even though I, when I talked to people about that, no one believed that Lang was right. He was right instantly. Oh, by the way, the industrials also benefited mightily from a Wells-Fargo conference held today, where almost every company gushed about a very strong spring. At the same time, Morgan Stanley came out this very morning and said, enough is enough. It's time to buy the semiconductors, which have been slip sliding away for some ages. They identified Micron, symbol well, MU, Moo as one of the best candidates for dramatic appreciation. Don't mean to play on words that they make DRAMs and DRAMs. But uh, thanks to the strength of the data centers, what they, they uh, completely figured on. And by the way, the data center is filled. If we open one up, it's filled with DRAMs, and that's Micron specially. Now, that Morgan Stanley call, plus the incredible rally that seems endless now on Apple, and that's because of the service revenue stream has finally come to the fore, created a situation that was just untenable for most money managers. They couldn't resist. Too good a story to pass up. They don't want to get run over. Smart thinking, because given uh, after the bell, Qualcomm announced a new $10 billion stock buyback. Now, I don't know whether President Trump is about to get his way with China. No one does. Plus, it's not just China that the free traders are worried about, and just about everyone on Wall Street loves free trade. We heard some vague rumblings today that the NAFTA talks are going poorly, too. But I do know that the Morgan Stanley call in the semis and the data centers seem to overshadow any worries about trade, at least for today. Now, I like this call from Morgan Stanley because it actually jives with the fundamentals as I see them. Every day I hear about the explosion of e-commerce and the demand that it's putting on the data centers, and everything goes into them. It's the cloud thesis that we talk about endlessly on Mad Money. We're going to hear more about it tonight when we talk to the CEO of Etsy, which just moved to the Google Cloud, the CEO of XPO Logistics, which has quietly become one of the most important forces in e-commerce shipping, and the CEO of Zebra Technologies, which uses barcodes to make sure e-commerce works to get products to you. This is the same cloud thesis that's behind the explosion in digital gaming, which Electronic Arts, symbol EA, talked about on last night's conference call, sending that stock up more than 5%. It dominated the Disney conference call as CEO Bob Iger talked about the need to spend more on technology to take over the web. It's what's behind Walmart's $16 billion acquisition of Flipkart in order to stop Amazon from conquering the Indian e-commerce market. And, of course, it's the technology behind Fang, which always goes up if there's a fire lit under the cloud. Hey, let's not forget the cloud kings. They've been roaring. Remember that one new relic, you know, Lucerne? You know, it's an anagram for Lucerne. It was up 14% today on Good Quarter. All right, don't forget Adobe, VMware, Workday, Salesforce.com, ServiceNow, Red Hat, and Spunk. I'm trying to keep those in front of you, all of which are still worth buying because these are the companies that help businesses harness the power of the cloud. Now, obviously, when rates go higher, you're going to get some downer stocks. Uh, today, they were limited to home builders, though not a bad quarantine. The airlines reversed because of the strength in oil, only natural. Uh, plus, there are uh, they are other stocks that need to be wary of the defense stocks when they're going as strong as they did. I get a little queasy. Oh, and we've got one more reminder of how wrong it is to jump on a huge opening today. As befits the pattern I keep pointing out to you, the market took its usual 10 o'clock nosedive after opening up too high, giving you a much better opportunity to do some buying. That bit of tomfoolery has become a staple of 2018. Here's the bottom line. The optimism about world trade is what truly inspires a rally like today, coupled with a benign route for interest rates to go higher. I don't know if it can last. Nevertheless, it should at least put to rest – the silly idea that the market has to crash when rates surge higher. 3% on the tenure is supposed to cause a crash. Instead, it causes one of the best days we've had. Crazy. Michael in Oregon. Michael. Hey, big booyah from Salem. Good to have you. My two questions is from Whirlpool.
1: I got a Dutch auction tender offer. To purchase at 150 to 170 dollars a share. First, should I sell at
2: the option price? No, we we want to just get. We decided to get rid of Whirlpool. We don't think the company. I mean, if they can't make it now with tariffs and all their stuff, you got to just sell sell, 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 sell. I don't sell. care about the tender offer. We're just saying goodbye. I need to go to George in Florida, please, George. Hey Jim, this is George calling from sunny Miami. First time, long time. Okay, first time, long time. <laughs> First-time caller, long-time listener. Yep. My question is about Dropbox.
0: Tomorrow they're supposed to announce earnings, and my concern is since it's an IPO
3: and generally they need to blow out expectations and earnings, if well, they don't, are going to get crushed like a boy, I Florida hope they – if they
2: don't, you get a chance to buy it because this is what we call a secular long-term growth story, meaning they're going to have growth for many, many years. So you want to be in that stock. I like it. Let's go to Mark in Florida, please. Mark. Oh, yeah, Jim. Thanks for taking my call today. No problem. My, my question is, is, what's your opinion on Pandora Media? I personally listen to Pandora all the time, at work, on the phone – um, and on my way home, and at home with Alexa. Um, I own some shares of it, and, you know, last week they came out with higher earnings than expected, and I was wondering, you know, is this a buy, a sell, or a no, hold? No, I'm just joking. Uh, Mark's right. They did report a better expected quarter, but Spotify is the future, and so I would be a sell, sell, sell of Pandora and a buy, buy, buy of Spotify. Can I go to, sticking with the Southern theme? Let's go to Glenn in Georgia. Glenn. Booyah, Jim from Georgia, home to Atlanta United, best in class in the MLS. All right. There we go. Also, the Super Bowl. So the Eagles are going to have to play you. I don't know. Let's see. Go
3: ahead. Looking forward to it. Hey, I need some help evaluating yesterday's earning report uh, in uh, LGI Homes, ticker symbol LGIH. Had a big uh, earnings beat with uh, net income up over 130 percent but unit costs up a little bit and guiding up more uh, costs so I'm wondering what I'm missing that the market is seeing
2: Well I mean you have to blow out the numbers when you're dealing with a home builder and then you have to blow out the forecast and I felt that they didn't necessarily blow out the forecast but more importantly interest rates were up today so I don't even know if it mattered. they all went down. I'm sorry up group dome when rates go higher. All right, we can finally put the rest to notes that the market will crash if rates go through 3%. I always told you it was wrong to care about it. On this big up day, let's celebrate the new leadership. It's the banks. On Mad Money Tonight, two of the wealthiest companies on earth are getting whacked for making bold investments. I'm telling you what to make of today's decline in Disney and Walmart. Then Zebra Technologies might be an exotic beast to you. But it's no stranger to the world's biggest companies. The stock's up nearly 35% since its February lows. But can the move continue? I've got the CEO. Plus, an antidote to automation. I'm in my home borough in Brooklyn, giving you an inside look at Etsy.
1: Don't miss a second of Mad Money. Follow at Jim Kramer on Twitter. Have a question? Tweet Kramer. Hashtag Mad Tweets. Send Jim an email to madmoney at CNBC.com or give us a call at 1 800 743 CNBC. Miss something? Head to madmoney.cnBC.com.
2: President Jimmy Carter famously once said, Well, as you know, there are many things in life that are not fair that wealthy people can afford and poor people can't. That's true in life, but in the stock market, not so clear in the last 24 hours two of the best and wealthiest companies on earth disney and walmart have gotten panned for making bold investments in their businesses disney's spending a fortune to build out the technology that will power its online streaming services remember how they bought bam tech the digital media arm of major league baseball well as cfo christine mccarthy explained on the conference call the, and I quote, the operating loss of BAM tech for the second quarter reflects ongoing investment in the technology platform, including costs associated with ESPN Plus, which is the offering that will be able to monetize much more programming than ESPN can now. That spending, along with Disney's attempt to purchase Fox, It's obscuring a remarkable quarter filled with outstanding numbers from the theme park and movie business. Just listen to what CEO Bob Iger told us about Black Panther and the new Avengers movie. Quote, our studio has developed has has delivered nine of the top 10 biggest domestic box office offerings of all time all of them released in the last six years. So often you hear movie companies talk about how they have hit machines, but they're often episodic properties that are very much hit or miss, not Disney. Between the Marvel movies and Star Wars, they have properties that that people will keep seeing. It's got a little more of a serial format. and Of course, it can be extended to the theme parks. It's extraordinary, and yet no one seems to care right now, especially because Comcast has come in to try to break up the Fox acquisition, which could make Disney pay even more for the acquisition. Now, the stock got hammered, of course, because Disney's investing in the future and because of Comcast and because of the deal. But you know what? I think it's crazy. I think this company is trying to do something big. Meanwhile, Walmart shells out $16 billion for a 77% stake in Flipkart, giving them an incredible e-commerce platform in India. Flipkart is number one in fashion, number one in large appliances, number two in electronics. Number, uh, 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 that's incredible. I understand that Amazon tried to buy this stake for $2 billion more than Walmart was willing to pay. But the two founders, Binny and Sachin Bansal, not related, by the way, who happened to have worked it, at Amazon, before this, throw it to Walmart instead. There's got to be a great story there about how much these guys dislike Amazon to turn down an extra $2 billion. Just like Disney, Walmart stock is getting whacked because the company's investing in its future. Which brings me to the twist on the second part of Jimmy Carter's dictum. In the stock market, it's not that rich companies can get away with things that poor companies can't. It's that fast growers get a free pass on this stuff. And more mature companies, no matter how rich they are, like Disney and Walmart, do get punished for it. Let me put it another way. If Amazon had acquired Flipkart, I think its stock would have been up big, not down 3% like Walmart's. Because Wall Street gives Amazon a free pass on all its spending. Unlike Walmart, no one is holding Amazon to a profit standard, just a growth standard. You know who else gets the free pass? Netflix and Tesla. On his conference calls, Reed Hastings, CEO of Netflix, actually boasts about how he needs to spend aggressively, spend much more than he can afford right now in order to stay ahead of the competition and continue to grow worldwide. It's incredible how much of a free pass he gets, although, like with Amazon, I think Netflix deserves it. But when it comes to getting special treatment, Tesla's Elon Musk takes the undeserving cake. He's losing fortunes per car, but if he can just manufacture a lot of vehicles, as many as he promises, investors will keep throwing money at him. Even as Musk has repeatedly missed his own targets. Walmart and Disney are trapped by the four walls of the spreadsheet canvas. They're hostage to the need to beat earnings estimates. Tesla, Netflix, and Amazon, measured by growth, have no limit to how much they can spend. Yet the stock market is unfair. It's just not unfair the way you might expect it to be. Too bad, because Walmart and Disney are all the richer for these investments. Just don't tell it to the sellers. They don't want to hear it. But hey, their mistake, you're a buying opportunity. Bruce in California. Bruce. Hi, Jim. Bruce from Sun and Surf in California. I'm calling you about the AT&T and time merger.
1: I'm wondering, is this a justifiable action by the Department of Justice? And uh, what is the outcome for other mergers, and what will happen to my stock if ATT loses
4: the case?
2: Well, uh, ATT needs time, Warner. They want the cash flow. Uh, their stock yields 6%. I would not sell it here anyway. I think the real issue here is is that the government has a, a different view from most of us about how much competition there is. Government, I think, is, is uh, respecting a, an older methodology, an older model. I think uh, those of us who are, say, uh, aficionados of newer technology see much more competition. It's just the prism of which they're looking through is different from us. Richard in Massachusetts. Richard. A beautiful spring day to you and your staff, Jim. My staff rocks. Great. I'm calling to inquire about a diversified energy company focused on petroleum refining, DK, Delic U.S. Holdings. I purchased DK along with another refiner, Alon Unit Partnership, a couple of years ago when spreads were tight. And coincidentally— DK bought out Alon in February. Since the acquisition, DK is up over 40%. Additionally, it just beat forecasted earnings two days ago, increased the dividend, and increased the continuation of their stock buyback. And today it hit an all-time high. Jim, I appreciate your short and long-term thoughts on DK. Uh, We do not have enough pipe coming out of the Permian or the Bakken. So there's a big differential, particularly in the Permian. That is fantastic with the refiners. I don't see that ending. I see Dell continuing to make a lot of money. I'm going to throw in Marathon Peak as being an excellent company, too. And let's let's do Valero while we're at it, okay? Those all have the sweet spot, and it's not going away. All right, the stock market is unfair. Not in the way you think. Walmart and Disney are getting slammed for investing in the future. So you, the home gamer, can get in much more on money, including my exclusive with Etsy. Company crafted an earnings beat, but the stock's falling. Is it a prime time to buy the company? I got a chance to speak with the CEO at their Brooklyn headquarters. And I'm sitting down with Zebra Technologies to see if the company has changed its stripes. And a rising supply chain player that's delivering serious gains up 500% over the past five years. Can XBO Logistics keep on trucking? I've got the exclusive with the CEO. So stick with Kramer.
1: They crafted a worldwide marketplace to connect curious consumers with creative sellers. Faced with relentless competition, will the can-do culture of Etsy empower enough commerce
2: to keep turning passion into profits? Yeah, you know Etsy, the company, but what the heck just happened to Etsy, the stock? The online marketplace for all sorts of handcrafted goods just reported what, by all accounts, was a better-than-expected quarter, a top-and-bottom-line beat with rising gross margins. On top of that, management boosted its full-year forecast, and the commentary was pretty darn bullish. Yet the stock got hit. It was down 4.5%. So we have to wonder if Wall Street's getting it wrong, because when I look at Etsy, I see a strong company with accelerating revenue growth, something investors should be salivating for. But maybe, maybe there's an answer here. Maybe this is what happens when you have a stock that was up 50% this year alone going into the quarterly report. Now, earlier today, we got a chance to speak with Josh Silverman. He's the president and CEO of Etsy to learn more about how the company's doing. Take a look, Josh Very exciting, one-year anniversary, Mother's Day coming up, big things for Etsy, how big can you be?
3: We think the market for special is huge. In a world where people are buying the same mass-produced goods from the same few logistics companies, they do a great job delivering all the commodities of life, but the more people consolidate their purchases in the same few places, the more when they want something to feel special, they want to go someplace different. And Etsy stands for special.
2: When I look at your company, I know a lot of people always count you out, well, there's going to be Amazon, there's going to be eBay. But when you own Special, that's a different moat, right?
3: We think so. We've got 1.9 million sellers who make with care beautiful handcrafted items and selling to over 30 million buyers. We're the only ecosystem out there that has such an amazing selection, more than 50 million items made by hand. No one else has anything like it.
2: I love the demographic of your sellers, I understand 87% women and 97% from ho- work from home. That's an empowerment story, in
3: We think it's really an important story. As the nature of work changes, as automation is changing the nature of work, creativity can't be automated. So the opportunity to take your creative power, your
2: creative energy and turn that into a business we think is really important. Now, but one of the things that you've done is you've harnessed this small business, and then you personally have matched it with technology, uh, almost like the traditional big data model, uh, but it's a virtuous circle.
3: It really is. So sellers come to Etsy because we bring them a full ecosystem. We give them the opportunity not to have a signpost on the Internet, but to actually sell their goods. Our sellers want to spend their time making and serving customers. They don't want to spend their time being business people. So they come to Etsy and they find a full marketplace with over 30 million buyers. Our buyers come because they find more than 50 million items made by more than 1.9 million sellers and so it becomes a virtuous cycle. One of the amazing things about a marketplace, it's like lightning in a bottle if you can get it, right? Because it gets better as it
2: gets bigger. The, the user experience, uh, for, I guess for, for as a customer, I find so easy. I remember when when you wouldn't be able to look up Mother's Day. Now you go to the site and it's got a Mother's Day interface and you can figure out very quickly what to get and where and it's much more curated. How did that come about?
3: So I appreciate that you're finding that. We've been investing a lot in search and discovery. And it's an interesting challenge for Etsy because with 50 million items that don't map to a catalog, They're not mass-produced. We've been using the latest in machine learning to really figure out what is the best 30 or 50 items to show for any given search. And the acquisition of Blackbird that we did uh, almost two years ago now really brought us cutting-edge, world-class machine learning technology that we've been leveraging.
2: You've been able to marry that with uh, with Google Cloud, but I know that's going to take a little bit of a transition. How's that going?
3: it's going great. Uh, so we are moving off of our own infrastructure and into the Google Cloud and that's going to give us more scalability and more speed but it's also bringing more cutting-edge machine learning capabilities for
2: Do you think that will boost the take rate? I mean, For instance, you have about eight and a half percent, I know eBay 15, Amazon 15, so the- there seems to be a lot of runway.
3: Well, you know, we focus on growing the pie for everyone. So gross merchandise sales is the measure of how much goods have been sold or bought on the Etsy platform. And that's been accelerating for the third straight quarter. Gross merchandise sales grew by almost 20% in the most recent quarter. The more we can grow gross merchandise sales, the more everybody wins.
2: I don't know how people realize the scale of that, 20% gain is gigantic. It says to me that there's something going on. I understand in every county in this country there are people now who are sellers that there's just a a kind of a mass adoption of non-commodity merchandise. That's right and it's
3: true in every county in America I think we might have one or two uh, where we don't have a seller. It's quite remarkable. I think it's a movement that's happening across America and across the world. That's what I'm
2: trying to get at. There aren't that many. I mean we went through the arc of things is you start with the loom that, that ruined the, teams, the seamstresses, okay? And then you have the industrial revolution, and then you go to the commodity, and I think there's a big rebellion, and that your company is the rebellion in uh, merchandise.
3: We're certainly allowing people to find a way to harness their creative energy to build a global business from their own living room. We have a seller named Lily, and she was working as a seamstress in a big fashion house and at night she was sewing her own design and then sleeping on the trains uh... to get back and forth to work she started lily's creations on etsy and now she sells her own made-to-measure fashion line on etsy and she's doing so well she's been able to quit her day job and focus exclusively on etsy and it's those kinds of stories that make us all get up and work so hard every day
2: the uh... search function the trust and reliability the uh... Relieving of friction, I imagine, makes someone, uh, let's say again, because of so many people are 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 women or sellers, be able to basically come up with a a business that doesn't require ten other people to get the product to you as a user.
3: That's right. Over seventy-five percent of our sellers are businesses of one, and we work. Yeah. They work themselves. Um, and then, you know, we make it so easy that with just a couple of clicks of a button, they can sell their products on
2: Etsy. Now, if they were uh, work for Amazon, it would, it would be much harder, right?
3: Well, you know, we're the only marketplace exclusively focused on items that are special and made by the maker themselves. So our mission is keeping commerce human. And what you find on Etsy is a really human connection between a buyer and a seller, often making things specifically uh, designed for or made for that particular buyer. There's no other place like it.
2: We call Amazon the the death star on our show, and that's because obviously it's wiped out a a lot of different companies. You, I would say, no one's immune, uh, but they tried to come into this area. Why do you think they were rebuffed? First of all, if
3: you're going to one place over and over again every day to buy all of the commodities of life when you want something special you want the antidote to that you want something that feels different and Etsy is all about special our brand stands for that if you think about the traditional strategic advantages of the Massey tailors it's about price it's about convenience and it's about selection the way they get a price advantage is you buy a thousand or ten thousand of something and then you pass along the savings to the buyer. Well, if you can buy a thousand of anything, it doesn't belong on Etsy. In terms of convenience, they warehouse everything in advance so they can ship it to you next day. Well, a great many items on Etsy are made to order, so you simply can't warehouse them in advance. And in terms of selection, with 50 million items from almost 2 million sellers, no one else comes close. So it's just not obvious that their advantages transfer directly into our space.
2: I, I think that you can feel that when you go to the site. It's not, It feels small, but it's obviously large. Large enough for international to come in? Uh, international is a
3: big part of our business. It's about a third of our business right now and growing. In fact, in 2017, we announced that we did more than $1 billion of international sales. And international is growing even faster than our US business.
2: Last question. Underdog Brooklyn, how does it feel to be here, largest public company? We love
3: Brooklyn. Brooklyn's been our home since the day we were founded. And the diversity of Brooklyn and the maker ethos in Brooklyn has been a fantastic birthplace for us.
2: Thank you, Josh Silberman, Etsy CEO. Thanks, Jim. All right, not to toot my own horn here, but I sure hope you were listening when I told you to buy Zebra Technologies back in early February. Here's an enterprise asset intelligence company. Think barcodes, mobile printing, data capture, real-time locating systems, radio frequency identification. That means Zebra helps businesses keep track of everything from their inventory to their trucks to where. Football players are on the field. Since that piece, stocks give me a 23% gain. And you, you, if you waited to buy this thing, the weakness like we recommended, you're up more than 30% from the lows a week later. Either way, Zebra's been on fire because the company just keeps delivering phenomenal results. Yesterday morning, they reported a monster 51-cent earnings beat off a $2.05 cent basis. I couldn't believe it when I saw it. Higher than expected revenue, up 13% year-over-year, double-digit. Even better management raised their four-year guidance, hence why the stock rallied more than 11% in one day. And look, this is the second blowout quarter in a row. So let's check in with Anders Gustafsson. He is the CEO of Zebra Technologies. Learn more about how the, about how the quarter it was and where the company's headed. Mr. Gustafsson, welcome back to Mad Money. Anders, great. Have a seat. Thank you. Last time Thank I you. saw
4: you, it was at the Super Bowl.
2: Yeah. It was in Minneapolis.
4: Yep, that was and a nice but cold day. Yes, it
2: was, <laughs> Anders. And what I thought's interesting is that, once again, Zebra Technologies was on display
4: at the Super Bowl. That's right. Yeah. we Our, our technology Technology was tracking all the players and the football for the field. So is there a tracker, an actual device on the
2: football? And, and who reads that stuff?
4: Yeah, so we have, uh, basically for the players, we have two sensors under each shoulder pad. Okay. And for the football, there is a very light sensor, three grams, I think, uh, just under the seam of the ball. And who's and
2: monitoring these things? What, what information does it generate
4: uh, it, it generates uh, basically a, a look, XYZ coordinates, at, uh, 10 times a second. So you basically get to know exactly where everything is, you know, how every foot, you know, all the players, uh, all, all, all the referees or two, uh, and the ball, how it moves at the time.
2: Wow, okay, so you do the same thing writ large for the economy. Yeah. And I think that one of the things that was great about your conference call was you talked about how um, that we had tended to be perceived maybe historically a little bit more of a tactical productivity yeah. tool, but now you're more fun foundational. Yeah. Explain what it means to our viewers to be foundational.
4: Yeah, so say historically, you know, our customers tended to use us for um, productivity enhancement tools. Uh, Not necessarily discretionary, but you know, in the short term you could say maybe a little more discretionary. Today, many of our customers, they view us as much more foundational to be able to execute on their strategies. So if you are, say, a retailer and you're looking to implement an omni-channel strategy, You you need to have our type of technologies to enable to give you the capabilities to to deliver that. And without it, what would
2: happen? Packages get lost. People wouldn't know where things are, or they couldn't run e-commerce.
4: I I think they couldn't run it at scale. Really? So you would have to have, say, paper and pen to do. Say, take an example: you order online, pick up in store. Right. If everybody were to you know call in and you write down what 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 they want to have and you mark. You know, manually go and pick it up and stuff, versus you can download it onto a mobile computer. You can use that to go around and scan all the things and basically check it off your list and, and you know, ne- neatly put the label on the package or the bag for the, for the consumer.
2: Okay, now you made a big acquisition. I was worried initially about uh, debt, but you've been rapidly paying yeah. down that debt. Uh, ready to do another one, or you think the balance sheet's good now? <laughs>
4: I think we've, we've said, um, you know, we, well, first when we did the acquisition, we, I think our debt to uh, EBITDA ratio was a bit over 5, 5.2, 5. 5.0. Yes, 2, 5. Which, I, which concerned me. Yeah, it was, uh, there was and, higher than and, normal. And it drove the stock down. Yeah, it made much more volatile, certainly. Yeah. Out. Now we're down to 2.8, and we've said our target debt to uh, EBITDA ratio is about 2 to 2.5. So as we get closer to our target uh, capital structure, I think it opens up more alternatives for our capital allocation. So we can continue to pay down debt. We can start doing buybacks if we think the share price will be attractive, or we could also do uh, inorganic acquisitions.
2: Okay, I've spent a lot of time talking about retail. We talked about football. Healthcare is a big vertical for so what's going on there?
4: Healthcare has been a great uh, vertical for us. It's been the fastest growing vertical over over the last several years, and I expect it to be the fastest growing vertical going forward. It's the smallest we have today, but it's it, it really starts with the electronic medical health record. So mm-hmm. you can think think of that as an avatar that you can hang all sorts of digital data off. Right. So we we help in the you know hospitals. We help connect the physical to the digital. We can take all that data about the patients and put it onto their medical record to make it autumn easily available and and. Uh, Basically, it helps to both improve the efficiency of right. how to run a hospital, but also the quality of care.
2: Well, can you uh, point to specific instances where uh, there have been mistakes before, and now there are far fewer mistakes, which are obviously life-threatening?
4: Yeah, we, there are many, many examples of this. Uh, you know, medical um, uh, mistakes, I guess, Costs, uh, I think, is the second uh, or third largest uh, cause of, of death in the hospital. So uh, it's, it's surprising. But yeah. if you think just of a simple thing like bedside care, right. uh, <clears throat> making sure that the right patients get the right medication, the right dose by an authorized caregiver, you know, that very easily solved by our solutions.
2: Wow. OK, well, look, I, I learned something every time I see yeah. you. And, uh, and we learned that the Eagles had the right tax. Yeah, that's and right. there we go. That's Anders Gustafsson. This stock is not done going higher. He's the CEO of the Zebra Technologies. Many of the analysts failed to get on it. There's only a couple of buys. They'll all capitulate. Mad Money's back after the break.
1: Coming up, XPO Logistics returned more than 500% over the last five years. After doubling in 2017, Does the stock have more open road ahead?
2: What is innovative about sending a package from here to there? Oh, so many things.
1: Kramer rides shotgun with the CEO when Mad Money returns.
2: It is time for the light. And then the light rounds over. Are you ready, Steve? Time for the light round Brothers. Let's start with Michael, North Carolina. Michael,
3: booyah, Jim from Hillsboro, North Carolina. And what? I just want
1: to say, been a follower and a fan from the very beginning. Been a longtime holder and seller of Opco. I got a big position in it now. And I need to know whether I add to it or run to the border. Well, you know,
2: ever since they bought Bioreference Lab, the stock has been slugged. And I think that's probably a mistake that it's been slugged. And that's why I want Phil Frost to come on the show and tell us. Let's go to Kathy in Texas. Kathy! Hi, how are you? I'm good, Kathy. How are you?
3: Thank you for taking my call. This is my first time to call. I'm a longtime fan.
2: We're wondering what your thoughts are on Thor. Okay, well, they did have an inventory buildup, which was not good, and they did have expenses go higher because they're making their assembling some of their uh, best vehicles in Indiana, where they lowest unemployment rate in the country. So it's been hurt by both of those. we got to see what happens with the quarter because those are negatives, and I'm not denying it. Those are negatives. I need to go to Zachary in California. Zachary.
3: Kramer, booyah. Booyah. Hey, much respect. Uh,
2: questions, Zendesk. I've been watching this stock since it was at thirty-eight dollars. I want to buy, but I don't know. What's your take? Well, you know, the more I hear about it, the more companies just love working with them and and turn their business, turn that stuff over. Then for customer support, I like service now. But you know, Zendesk could end up being one of our. It could end up being one of our uh, cloud princes because that's how good they're doing. So I'm not going to suggest selling it. I need to go to Tom in South Carolina. Tom.
3: Hey, Jim, first, thanks for all you do for us. My stock is Box, B-O-X.
1: Well, uh,
2: you know, look, I, 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 when, Aaron, when no one believed in Aaron Levy, I did, okay? I believed in him, and I still believe in him, and I think the stock goes higher. Remember in 12 when I said Aaron was good to go? Okay, let's go to RJ in Colorado. RJ. Booyah, Jim, how you doing? I'm doing well. How about you?
3: I'm wonderful. I would appreciate your thoughts on Hain. Hain Celestial.
2: Hain had a bad quarter and bad guidance. And uh, I don't know. I, I can't be reassuring. I don't know what to say. Irwin should come on, Erwin Simon, and maybe tell us what the future looks like. But right now, it's not that good. Ah, tough, but I said it. Let's go to Harry in New York, please. Harry. Hi, William. Some supply. There you go. Which one? Thank you for your expert uh, invaluable advice. And the show is
1: very informing. I watch it every day. Thank you. And it's Thank also ent- very entertaining.
2: Thank uh, you. My stock is uh, tailored TLRD. I don't know I don't know tailored brands. Um, I got to come back on tailored brands. That is one that eludes me. Let's go to a Bill in Oregon. Bill.
1: Bill here in Oregon. Jim, what is up with the week of weakness in Constellation brands? Last week, Symbol the stock F- was at
2: 236, and then Wilson reported a terrible number, and it's just been taken down with that. I don't think that's right. My travel Trust owns it. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is the conclusion of the Lightning Round. The
1: Lightning Round is sponsored by TD Ameritrade.
2: E-commerce has become one of the biggest drivers of the economy these days. And as I said at the top of the show, we are constantly on the lookout for companies that benefit from the boom we are getting both here are in Europe. Companies like XPO Logistics, the global provider of transportation logistics services, that's been making a killing thanks to the rise of e-commerce. XPO has been a terrific performer over the years. In fact, it's so good, my only real issue with the stock is that it really gives you any pullbacks, which is why we gave up on building a position for my child trust. It just doesn't come in. The darn thing is up more than 15% for 2018. It's been a great stock. It just reported a fantastic quarter. Don't take it from me. Let's check in with Brad Jacobs. He's the chairman and CEO of Expedia Logistics. Find out more about how this company's doing, where it's headed. Mr. Jacobs, welcome back to Mad Money. Good to see you, Brad. Good to see you. Seed. All right, Brad, of the companies that have reported so far this, this, uh, this year, there's you and there's Amazon that have just blown away the numbers. And I think that they are synergistic, particularly because you've just teamed up with Alexa and Google Home. Yeah. Tell yeah. me about well, that because I love all, it.
0: Amazon's growing so much faster than we are. So we're proud that we grew 11% organically in the first right. quarter. So compared to other transportation companies, we're, right. we're at the top. Amazon grew 45%.
2: That's they're, true. They're
0: twice the size of themselves every two years.
2: But you play a big role in trying to get bigger, uh, Absolutely. Big, bigger packages to people everywhere.
0: Absolutely. And we have Amazon as a customer. We have right. many other e-commerce players and customers. We're facilitating their growth.
2: Now, one of the things that I thought was interesting of the many things that happened this quarter, uh, you introduced, rev- you have reverse logistics. There's 170 million return packages yeah, that you handle. every year.
0: That- it's not just packages. It's okay. telephones. It's large pieces of equipment. It's, it's everything across the board.
2: Amazing. Now, how about XPO Direct? That was something you just introduced.
0: XPO Direct it. is very exciting. So in the old model, retailers would have a distribution center in the West Coast. They'd have something in the middle of the country. They'd have something on the East right. Coast. And it would take several days or a week, even more than a week, to get the goods to the end customer. They'd have inventory costs. What we've done is we've opened up our network. So we've opened up 75 facilities across the whole country. Warehouses, cross-dock facilities, LTF, and last mile hubs. And we're sort of renting it out for our customers, giving them flexible capacity. So that the problem that we're solving for them is they're now closer to the customer they're within 95% of the whole population within one or two days. It's very, very big.
2: Now, is that why uh, in the conference call someone was saying, well, why don't you partner with UPS? And you said you do partner.
0: Oh, yeah. So in the logistics business it's very incestuous. Right. So we have certain capacity. We make that available to our competitors. Sometimes we need capacity from our competitors. We partner with them. So that happens all the time.
2: Well, a lot of companies this quarter have been saying freight costs, freight costs, freight costs. Can't you help those companies with your logistics outfit? Yeah, and, and we do.
0: So we have almost 20,000 trucks, we have 40,000 trailers, we have 10,000 containers that go intermodal, we have 780 warehouse facilities. So we have capacity. We have wide amount of capacity all around the globe, 32 countries.
2: Okay, so when I look at uh, Europe, you're, co- you're saying that you're now, first when you got into Europe, it was not so hot. Now you're saying that it's tighter than North America. How did that happen?
0: It's the economy over there, just cycles how they go. Um, the U.S. is tight capacity as well says it's not quite as tight capacity as it was like two months ago and it was okay. crazy.
2: Oh what what happened in the last
0: last couple of months just got a little less crazy. Really? A little more capacity. Yeah.
2: It's but that's a way to keep inflation down. That's what I want to hear.
0: It's balancing. It's balancing. But that's great news. But Europe is even tighter than it was last month, which was tighter than it was two months before that.
2: Now, I want to circle back to what I said about what I mentioned to Amazon. I know you're not as fast as Amazon, but you are one of the few companies that the street has been willing to let you invest. Your conference call, most of the conference calls, we can talk about invest. Like today, Disney, we're investing. Oh, nobody went. Walmart investing. No, but people recognize how much business you have, and you are allowed to invest.
0: Oh, absolutely. And, and we are investing. We're investing in technology. We're investing in sales. We hired 190 new salespeople in our LTL, our last-than-truckload operation. We opened a whole new strategic account management or sales organization in Europe. And in technology, we're spending almost a half a billion dollars a year in innovation, in technology.
2: Well, what, what is innovative about uh, uh, about sending a package from here to there?
0: Oh, so many things. So many things that we're automating that humans were doing that now are, is, is, is being on my machine. So drones doing inventory in the warehouse. Very efficient. You
2: want a fleet of drones?
0: We have drones in our warehouses. They go in at 2 o'clock in the morning, and they do the inventory, and the accuracy is almost 100%. Do
2: they use the barcodes like we're using from Zebra? They,
0: they come down, and then they look at each, each unit, and they, zero, they take a picture of it. It integrates over Wi-Fi right into the software. It's very, very slick. So other things that we're doing on there is we have robots. We have robots. We call them cobots because they go together with our workers, and they do, they do the picking and the packing. It's a whole well, slew of technology. Well, you, you
2: came up with this idea, and I know a lot of people were like, are you kidding me? It turned oh. out to be the right idea at the right time. That's Brad Jacobs, the chairman and CEO of XBO. Edition. A lot of you have bought this stock because I, I have said continue to buy it, and I think you should continue to buy it. money's back after the break. remember the 10 to 10:15 rule. In other words, when the market is up really big, I don't want you in there buying at the market. Wait. It almost always goes down. And then you can buy it after 1015. That's when the market will be pretty much flat. That's your chance. Like I said, it's always a bull market summer. I promise you find it just for you right here on Mad Money. I'm Jim Kramer, and I will see you tomorrow.